The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast presented by DraftKings UFC 264 coming up on Saturday. Get excited. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Bunch of teams, I always say, five teams, seven years, at Ross Tucker NFL on both Twitter or Instagram. Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You can always watch these shows on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Very excited about today's guest. He's the guy. He is the guy at Pro Football Focus, Eric Eager. And I, this is, look. The season will be here in a few weeks. At least training camp will be here in a few weeks. It's time to talk futures. It's time to talk season win totals. We'll do that momentarily with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. First, though, I will welcome in my co-host, like I always do, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling, the Westgate Casino, the Super Contest, Steve Fezzik at Fezzik Sports and only at Fezzik Sports on Twitter. Steve, how are you? I am excellent, Ross, and we are less than two months away from college football season starting. I got to tell you, I think I'm as excited about this year as I've ever been for football. Yeah, it feels like, and let's all keep our fingers crossed and hope that we won't have as many, hopefully, if any, of the issues we had a year ago with scheduling of games and not knowing whether they were going to be played or not, I'd like to think and hope that things will go relatively smoothly, but I guess only time will tell in that regard. You can always check out all of our shows, by the way, on social, at Ross Tucker Pod, both on Twitter and Instagram. Steve actually has... Some interesting numbers as it relates to the NBA Finals, which we're going to get to a little bit later. Steve's like texting me the percentage chance that Milwaukee wins if Giannis plays, the percentage chance they win if he doesn't. I don't know how he has these numbers. We'll have to find out later in the show. First, though, we've got Eric Eager, who sent me 
some of his futures bet, some of his season win total stuff. He is a legit data scientist. I always forget his other credentials. But I think he's a doctor, maybe. He went to school for way too long. That's all I know for sure. At PFF underscore Eric. What is it again, Eric? Uh, a long time ago, I uh, after finishing my college football career, I got a PhD in math. How many years is that? Uh, it took me four uh, after college. So I went to call. I graduated twenty. Well, I was twenty six. I I had my PhD. So to get a PhD in math, because I'm just curious, do you have to write like? Uh, do you have to come up produce some work that's like original, like a dissertation? Yeah, I proved about like ten or eleven theorems in my like that no one else had done, um, and that's basically what you have to do. Uh, since like. After that, when I went and became a professor, like I sort of transitioned more into like applied math um, for, you know, government agencies and things like that. And then that got boring. Uh, and I started working on football where I no longer prove uh, any theorems. I just try to uh, try to give uh, decent advice, I guess. I got to tell you, I hate theorems. I remember theorems right when we stopped doing math. And started to get to theorems, I was like, this is not my jam. Like, you get the multiplication, I was a machine. Six times eight is 48. You guys don't even realize that. That's how quick I just did that right there. I, I, Dude, multiplication, math, theorems, that's like barely math. So who's better, Eric, you or um, Goodwill Hunting? Oh well, he had to he had to hold on to a, a janitor job and prove the theorem. So I think he was like a better multitasker. So I'll give him the edge, but it, it's close. So wait, that really is what you did, though, right? Like those were theorems that he was proving. Yeah, I mean, essentially, what you would do is you would, you know, in applied math, what you do is you'd come up with a model for the world, much like you know, what Steve talks about his models for betting and and so on and so forth, and you try to essentially prove. Uh, conditions that that the that the model will spit out in very general circumstances, and usually you know real world systems are too messy to actually adhere to any of the theorems, and so that's why a lot of folks will eventually just transition to doing applied science or you know data science or something like that. Um, but in many cases, you can kind of contrive a system where you could sort of prove the outcome, you know, prove the outcome that that will happen uh, right away. So. That, that, that's kind of the idea. Like one example for, you know, would be like, if you're looking at who's, you know, a, a, the best system to vote for, let's say MVP, um, there's there's a theorem that says there is actually no best system. So that's an example of something where, you know, if you want to like take a real world problem, distill it down to a theorem. Uh, but then, you know, obviously we, we still vote for things. Uh, so, so we override that anyway. Steve, I'm going to let you make any comment you want to make at this point. I think you're spot on, Ross, when you talked about this higher level mathematics. Actually, in my opinion, it becomes almost verbal. When you're doing calculus and you're doing prove this, show that, all of a sudden, everything you're doing doesn't have numbers anymore. It's got more letters in it. And I struggled mightily with that. I'm the guy that wants to compute probabilities. You tell me if Monty Hall is letting me switch my curtains and let's make a deal. And I need to know, is Monty an honest guy or a dishonest guy? And calculate all the probabilities of that, whether I switch my curtain or not. That is my forte. Not prove this, show that. 
Wow. All right. Very interesting. Um, let's get to some of the stuff. And obviously, Eric, I you know, I always I, I've talked to you so many times now that I know it, but Eric now does a lot of the betting stuff at Pro Football Focus, Eric. So tell me all the stuff you got going at Pro Football Focus. Yeah, I think, you know, so we have, um, you know, our fantasy models are up, our uh, season simulation is up, in a couple months we'll have, you know, game-to-game betting models where essentially we're doing what Steve said, which is to say, you know, if the game is line three and our number says 2.6, what's the likelihood that the game lands three, four, five, all the kind of stuff that you sort of need to have um, if you're trying to bet, you know, numerically or, or with a model, um, we'll have player prop tools. We had that a season ago, um, and and a lot. And then we'll have some ad hoc stuff. So one of our uh, my data scientist Timo Riske had did, had a really cool sort of back of the envelope uh, model that he used that showed that gave uh, Aaron Rodgers value to be the MVP. You know, four or five weeks before he even became the favorite last year, uh, and, and just stuff like that. We're always trying to sort of explore. Um, you know, things as far as, you know, what, the, you know, new markets are being given every single year, right? So then the question is, is can we use our data um, to to better sort of understand those markets? One one cool example is obviously, you know, interception props game to game. Um, we have a stack called turnover worthy plays, which predict interceptions better than interceptions do. Uh, and so for something like an interception prop, either during the season or uh, game to game, that's something where we're, we're trying to, you know, have an edge. Uh, you know, using our data to to bet those things. So that, yeah, we're trying to build tools for consumers. We're trying to build insights and 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 also entertain. As you guys know, that some of the aspect of gambling um, is this entertainment aspect where we're all having fun uh, looking at the markets and things like that. So let's get into some of the ones you feel good about. First one kind of surprised me. Uh, really surprised me. You like the over. Six and a half is where they're sitting at at DraftKings. You like the over for the New York Jets, Eric? I do. I think so. A lot of this, a lot of in football, you know, you have you have what are what are fu- what's fundamental about a team? Uh, and I know the Jets a season ago were two and fourteen. Um, they didn't have great quarterback play. Their defense lost their best player due to a trade right away. Um, and they had, you know, these, they didn't have as many COVID-related things as other teams. Um, but the prior season with Adam Gase still at the helm and, and Sam Darnold dealing uh, with uh, Mono got seven wins, seven out of 16 games. And so you, you sort of take the average of that and you're looking now at kind of like a four-win a four win team or something. Um, you add the 17th game. The 17th game for every single AFC team is a home game. And specifically for the Jets, it's a home game against the Philadelphia Eagles, who I'll talk, we'll talk about later, who aren't particularly good themselves. And then you you take away what has been truly bad. You know, one of the, the tail events in the NFL over the past three, four years, and that's Adam Gase at head coach. You replace him with Robert Salah, who in our defensive play caller rankings last year got the most out of his players uh, of any defensive coordinator in in football. Now, he's not going to be calling plays uh, in th- this season, but, you know, I like coaches who are known historically to take, you know, sets of players that, you know, are one thing and get like maybe a standard deviation better than that. So I like that. I, I like Mike LaFleur as the offensive coordinator uh, in place of Dow Loggins and Gase. 
I also like Zach Wilson, the, the quarterback from BYU. Um, you know, there was a lot, and I know you guys talked about props and everything. There was so much uncertainty at the quarterback position once you got after Trevor Lawrence in the draft. But I think that Fields and Zach Wilson were both sort of contenders to be the best quarterback coming out. I, I agree with Lawrence going. I think I agree with the scouts and things like that. But Zach Wilson had one of the most impressive accuracy profiles that we've ever seen uh, a season ago for BYU. And I think the upgrade at quarterback with him, adding Elijah Moore, adding an offensive line that's quietly extremely improved, Corey Davis. I think the Jets will, I think the Jets will win, you know, will surprise people this year. Steve? It's interesting because you, you mentioned the upgraded quarterback. I think it's a leap of faith. I don't think any of us know how good Zach Wilson will be. But to say Zach Wilson right now to start the season is better than Sam Darnold, yeah, that's almost like saying the entire Carolina Panther organization's incompetent then. Um, I think it's a downgraded quarterback. Now, not long-term necessarily. We can have a discussion if we're talking about 2023, but in the first year in a rookie year, and maybe it's possible I'm biased because I remember so many quarterbacks that used to struggle and things have changed in recent years. Rookie quarterbacks have done much better in the last few years, but I still know that quite a few of them just aren't ready to go. Yeah, I think the comeback I have with the Carolina thing is like, there is evidence to suggest that the way they handle the QB position is suboptimal, right? You know, Bridgewater came out after the season and said, you know, we don't even practice end of game. You look at Bridgewater statistics end of game, they're terrible. You know, uh, they, they win an entire draft last year without drafting an offensive player, despite the fact that the NFL is an offense league. You know, there, there's a number of things where you could say, look, that just because the Panthers want Sam Darnold doesn't necessarily mean he's great. But I do think you're right. I think the hard part about quarterback play is uncertainty is often better. So you look at like them in relation to the Miami Dolphins who are in their division. I'll take Wilson over Tua Tagovailoa all day. One of the reasons being is I've seen some of Tua at the NFL level that shrinks his distribution, whereas with Wilson, his distribution is still wide. And obviously the wider the distribution, the more likely uh, that you'll have, uh, obviously, that top-end performance that we've seen out of some quarterbacks that have come out uh, of college over the last few years. You know, the, the one point I want to make is, well, two things. One is, I think if Carolina had the second overall pick, they would have taken Zach Wilson rather than traded for Sam Darnold. I think one of the reasons why they traded for Sam Darnold, and I guess this backs up Eric's point, was because they, they had the eighth pick, so they couldn't get Zach Wilson. And I think they felt like Sam Darnold was a better alternative than Mac Jones or Fields. But I think if they could have gotten Wilson, in other words, I, you know, I know what you said, Steve, about the Carolina Panthers organization. I think they probably would have preferred Zach Wilson over Sam Darnold. That's number one. Number two is I think the coaching thing is really interesting. Because it's another unknown. And I know, Steve, you typically don't like first-year head coaches. But we all know Gase was terrible. So I feel like it's – how do you value it, like, with your power ratings and stuff, Steve? Like, how do you value sort of the unknown? I really like what, what Eric said about, you know, all the injuries the Niners had last year on defense. And they were still pretty good on defense. 
Uh, I don't know how much that translates to being a head coach, though, to be honest with you. Yeah, I really like what Eric said about the head coach. Hey, complete uncertainty, in my opinion, just because Sal is a great defensive coordinator. I don't know if he's going to be a good head coach, but I know that Gase is a terrible head coach. I know Anthony Lynn is a terrible game manager (laughs) head coach. So I cannot get worse. So there's the opportunity for the upgrade. One last thing I will say on the Jets. I know a very uh, significant betting group that loves the Jets under. So if you do bet the Jets over, I would wait. I think you're going to get a better number later in the summer. That is interesting. I see that. That's this is how we marry the whole thing here. You have your mm-hmm. stuff, and Steve knows what these guys are doing, and we, we marry it all together. I know. What was the quote there, Steve? I know Adam Gase is a bad coach. I know Lynn is a bad coach. They can't be worse. <laughs> Spot on. All right, let's get to the Eagles under. I mean, you're killing me, Eric. You're killing me. You know this is the team I do the preseason games for. I do the pregame for. Um, This actually surprised me a little bit, so I'm curious to hear your logic here. Last I checked, I'll pull it up again right now, the Eagles are on DraftKings. Their win total is currently sitting at six and a half as well, just like the Jets with a little bit of juice a uh, decent amount of juice, actually, to the over. They're minus 150 on the over, Eric. Go ahead. Yeah, you're getting plus 123 to bet under for them. Like, I, I like – so here, here's the thing I'll say about the Eagles. The Eagles are an organization that I wouldn't categorize as, you know, not knowing what they're doing. But you've seen so many, so many uh, talented people leave that organization – over the past, you know, you had Joe Douglas go to the Jets. You had Andrew Barry go to the Browns. Um, obviously, Doug Peterson, the first head coach that has ever won a Super Bowl for that franchise, uh, left. I And he left at an inopportune time. So, you know, with Nick Sirianni coming in as the head coach, he wasn't exactly the pick of the litter. They they decided on that move late late in the process. And there's, there's a part of me that thinks that this is sort of akin to sort of a lot of other one- year sort of head coaches we've seen like a lot with Cleveland you had the Chip Kelly time in San Francisco where it's sort of like the the franchise is in transition the head coach doesn't inspire a ton of confidence and and the head coach wasn't exactly the first choice and so you put you install that person in there and and you sort of you will you you allow it to sort of like there this to me doesn't seem like a long-term solution for him a coach and it doesn't seem like a long-term solution for them at the quarterback position. And I know Jalen Hurts was more exciting than Carson Wentz last year, and I know that he gave you know them a little bit of a boost, you know, sort of morality-wise. But he wasn't all that better. He wasn't more accurate. He did better things on the ground, but obviously that can lead to injuries. And their backup quarterback is Joe Flacco. That doesn't inspire a ton of confidence in me either. Um, and when you look at the way they've allocated their draft capital the last two years, I like Jalen Rager as a player. Obviously, I like Devontae Smith as a player, but I don't necessarily know if you're going to get the best out of them. You're not getting the force multiplier out of them that you would if you had an established quarterback with those top-end wide receivers. Their defense is getting older. They've always built their defense sort of, in my opinion, the wrong way, which is to have really great players up front and kind of take your chances on the back end. And that's really hurt them. And then you look at this division, uh, you know, the Giants, what did they do this offseason? Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, um, you know, I think an offensive line that 
can't get any worse as, as we've talked about a number of times. And, and you look at Dallas's, you know, Dak Prescott was on pace for like 6,000 yards last year before he got hurt. Uh, and then the Washington football team, they have tons of talent as well, bringing Curtis Samuel in as well uh, as Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think the division's also going to be tougher for them, especially defensively and especially on the back end where they've really struggled covering people. So to me, I think that this is this is going to be one of those where, you know, midway through the season, they're going to be with the Detroit Lions and the Houston Texans as teams that are sort of battling for the number one overall pick. Wow. Steve, your thoughts? Yeah, I think Eric's spot on here. Do shop around on this because there are still some sevens, and that same betting group that I talked about wants to go against the Jets. They're looking to go against the Eagles. So I would bet this sooner rather than later to go under. Another reason I like the Eagles under is here's a team that has won a Super Bowl recently. You look at that schedule, it is extremely front-loaded. This is from memory. I believe that the Eagles are only favored once in their first 13 games. I think they're like a one-point favorite against the Lions. They don't get their bye week until the very end of the year. So what's going to happen? The Eagles are going to have a bad start. And because of that, they're going to look to rebuild. They're going to possibly make decisions week 8, 9, 10 to look towards the future. So the order of the games matters when you've got a a team that potentially – is going to have to make a decision halfway through the year. Are they going for it this year, or are they going to just look to evaluate talent? It would not surprise me if the Eagles start 2-8, and eight and absolutely the season goes into the tank. Well, the only thing I would say, Steve, is if you get off to a slow start in Philadelphia, it's not really that big a deal. The people don't care that much. It doesn't bother them. <laughs> Yeah, ask, ask Santa Claus about that back in 1969. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. Here's what I will say. Um, the two points I've made, and Eric, I'd be curious to get your feedback about the Eagles are, their O-line and D-line, I would argue, are both top 10 in the NFL, if they stay healthy, right? Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson, those guys stay healthy. I think they're really good up front on both sides of the ball. They can't really get worse at receiver. And they can't get worse at quarterback. I mean, Carson Wentz led the NFL in interceptions and sacks. So I guess I feel like if if Hertz just throws five less picks and takes five less sacks, what does that mean? Steve, off the top of your head, five less interceptions, five less sacks. Is that two more wins? So if you say a turnover is worth, what, three and a half points? So five, so you got like 17 points there. Say each sack is worth two points, 27 points. You know what, 35 points is one win. So you're only talking about one more win. So they go from four to five. That's it. Really? Well, well anyway. I think I think you're you make a you make a really good point, Ross, about the offensive line because that was as somebody who was really heavy under Eagles last year. That was when when Brandon Brooks went out. That was you know like we never like to celebrate injuries, but that was one. If you were holding an under ticket, you knew was a humongous play there. Um, obviously. You know, Jason Peters isn't who he was. I don't even know if he's coming back. Andre Dillard has never been the the guy they wanted him to be. Um, and obviously, Lane Johnson, you know, is their best offensive lineman, but, you know, hasn't been able to stay healthy. On the defensive front, you're absolutely right there as well. The one other leak, I think, if you're an Eagles fan and you want the over here, Sirianni is an example. We've seen this, you know, former Eagles uh, OC Brad Childress. You've seen it with, um, you know, sort of other – uh, head coaches that have gotten themselves in trouble. 
if you are a former offensive coordinator who used to not call plays and you go and become a head coach, oftentimes these guys will try to call plays in addition to being the head coach. And that means they're learning two jobs on the fly at the same time. And to me, I think that's a humongous hill uh, to, to go over for Nick Sirianni. He has Shane Steichen on staff, who I think did a really good job with Justin Herbert last year. Um, I think he'll eventually call plays, but it might end up being too late. Let's get to your next one, your last win total you like. You like Las Vegas, where Steve resides. You like the Raiders over. I'm checking DraftKings. What were they at, like at seven and a half? The Raiders are at seven with a little bit of juice. Actually, both under and over are both minus 115, minus 106. So hold on a second, Steve. Why would the under and the over – why would one be minus 115 and one's minus 106? Did it just like those little like rather, rather than just minus 110 each? They probably had it balanced at minus 110 in each direction and some but some sharp bet over, and they said, you know, I don't want to over adjust. I'll move it four cents. Got it. Okay. Why why over on the Raiders, Eric? I've said this a lot. Like, I think John Gruden is a very good cook and a terrible grocery shopper. Like, I think, and and right now, like, everything's done for the Raiders. They've already done their draft. They've already done free agency. Um, The hay is in the barn. It's now time for John Gruden to to do with whatever he has, what he can. And when I look at the Raiders, I look at a team that's, you know, win total seven and a half last year. It was seven and a half last two years, I believe. Um, And and now you go go down a win in it, but increasing – the schedule by one game and in fact a home game and in fact a home game in a stadium where you know we we actually don't know what their home field advantage is going to be um i to me i think Derek carr is actually a fairly good quarterback if you look at some of the statistics you know completion percentage of above expectation pff grade pff war if you look at qbr like he's done a very good job with players that have not necessarily been all that great. They had Tyrell Williams in the fold, a former 1,000-yard receiver for the San Diego Chargers. He did nothing for them. He got Nelson Aguilar's second good season when with the Eagles. He was basically hit or miss there. Um, you add to the fold Kenyon Drake, who I think is a very explosive back, kind of that Michael Pittman sort of, uh, you know, back when when Gruden was the coach of the Bucs. Um, obviously, you have Josh Jacobs, who's a very talented player. And I think this is this is the last point I'll say defensively, you can't get much worse than what they've been over the past few seasons. And having thrown that much draft capital at the wall, finally doing a coordinator change away from Paul, I I think their defense will, you know, I'm not saying it's a top half of the league group. I'm not saying it's even a top 20 group. But if you pair that offense, which has been extremely efficient over the past few years, with a defense that's not in the bottom three or four in the NFL, I think you can win seven to eight games in this league uh, with the efficiency that Carr and Gruden provide. Steve? I'm going to disagree because I I like the logic. Hey, the Raiders won seven games and then they won eight games and they're going to be a little bit better this year and they've got another home game. Why not go over seven? But the problem is, and we've spoken about the Pythagorean um, pricing of teams, the Raiders were an 8-8 team, but they got outscored by 44 points. So it's a lie. They didn't win eight games last year. They really won just mm-hmm. under seven. The year before they won seven games, they got outscored by more than 100 points. They really were a five-win team. So if they had won what they were supposed to based upon the point scoring differential, 
they would have won five and they would have won seven. And then their season win this year would have been six and a half instead of seven and a half. And so I think there's a bias there. Eric brings up a great point, and I don't have the answer. Home field advantage due to crowd noise. What percentage of the Raiders uh, crowd is going to be home fans? Four of the top five priced games in the NFL right now, most expensive, are right here in Las Vegas. Are those going to be people driving in from Southern California to back the Raiders? Or are those going to be Chicago Bear fans that are going to come en masse to invade our city and support their Bears? I think some of both. be very interesting to see what the distribution is going to be at Raiders games. I can tell you, locals in Vegas, they're going to sell their tickets if they can get over $1,000 for them. Absolutely phenomenal stuff with my guy, Eric Eager, at PFF underscore Eric. Love going on his show, the PFF forecast. Love when he comes on our show. He's got even more good stuff. Might even get him on again before the season starts. Eric, terrific work. Go uh, go prove some theorems, okay? <laughs> Steve Ross, thanks for having me on. Uh, take care, guys. Take care. There he is, Eric Eager. You know what I can prove, Steve? 246, 264 to one odds are good. Now, I'm not a huge UFC guy, mainly because I can't usually stay up that late. But McGregor Poirier 3, okay? If there's a first-round knockout, you win $264 if you put $1 on. Now, I don't know what the math is on that, Steve. I don't know if you know enough, but, like, to me, that's my type of UFC bet. I don't care who wins, really. Just somebody knocks somebody out in the first round so I can go to bed. If they don't, I'm mad I lost a dollar. If they do, I'm going to bed sky high. I got $263 because somebody got knocked out in the first round. I think I saw the over-under was one and a half rounds, so that certainly indicates it shouldn't go very far. I, uh, I'm with you. Quick resolution, and it's going to be McGregor that's going to be getting knocked out. Use the code Ross to turn $1 into $264 over at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, we got the NBA Finals starting now, Steve. Uh, wanted to get your NBA Finals. I teased it earlier. Your thoughts on the NBA Finals with the status of Giannis. Giannis, I'm not going to go for the last name. The, the, the Milwaukee Bucks power forward known as Giannis, his status be up in the air. Yeah, so Milwaukee with 100% Giannis is the slightly better team by, in my numbers, by one point. And I have Giannis worth six to seven points to the line. So if uh, with Phoenix, even with the home court, if Giannis was 100%, Milwaukee should be a tiny favorite. Phoenix, slight underdog. If Giannis doesn't play at all, Phoenix wins this series just under 90% of the time. So think about this. No Giannis, Phoenix 90%. With 100% Giannis, Phoenix 50%. That is such a huge disparity. All the other handicapping factors in the series are trumped by one factor, the health of Giannis. And I don't know the health of Giannis, so I cannot get involved at this time. Well, here's what I would say about that, Steve. Even if he plays not 100%, so you're factoring him him in as 100%. If he plays, he's not going to be 100%. Agreed. So clearly Milwaukee can't be favored. Phoenix has to be the favorite. But should they? are they going to win 60%, 70%, 
85%, I can't make a number because I just don't know what percent Giannis will be, and I don't know when Giannis will return. Check him out on social, at Fezzik Sports. He's the man. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. If you like going against us and stuff, you absolutely have to get on the DraftKings Best Ball Competition for Fantasy Feast Podcast. Become a patron or take advantage of any of our sponsors. Send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, because Joe Dole and I are going at it, and we want you guys to compete against us. More details on tomorrow's Fantasy Feast Podcast. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana. 109 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.